John would be drilling with Nate Carr. And Nate Carr would, you know, Nate Carr's real quick too, and he'd give him a little hip, and John Smith would take his headgear and go, that's effing it. Throw it down, we're going. So they would just go hard for, just go at it for about two or three minutes. And, you know, everybody thinking some John's some little church marm. He ain't. That was some unbelievable stuff. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. It's Thursday, January 26th. Our guest today is the great Royce Alger, three-time All-American, two-time national champ for the University of Iowa, wrestling for the legend Dan Gable. Royce was also a world silver medalist in 1990. This interview is not the definitive interview on Royce's career. Rather, this interview was recorded for our audio documentary, The Smiths, back in September of 2020 and focuses on Royce's relationship with John and Pat Smith. I promise you won't be disappointed. Tons of great stories and I can't wait for you to hear it. Fan of the week goes to our friend Monica Benish out of Oregon, Illinois. Proud new owner of a Wrestling Change My Life t-shirt. If you also want to own a t-shirt from Wrestling Change My Life, check out our online store, stored at WrestlingChangeMyLife.com. Thanks so much, Monica. We greatly appreciate it. Hey guys, before we get to this interview, a quick caveat. This interview was recorded right after Royce had a major surgery And if you hear any background noise, it's because he's icing his knee. And so that's what that sound is. So please forgive. It's minor, but if you hear it, it's Royce icing his knee. Now let's get to this interview with the legend, Royce Alger. Let's start Junior Worlds, your senior year of high school. How did you meet John Smith at that particular event? Well, in uh, they had the uh, Junior Nationals at UNI, and uh, I can remember all, all the particular states, Michigan, Penn State, um, Illinois, Iowa, but uh, Iowa, uh, the Oklahoma, they had a young little scrapper they called John John, so he always had his own, own little tribe that followed him in every match. There was a couple tough, real tough guys at his weight. Keith Walton, I think, won that weight. 
and John took third. And um, so that was my first meeting with him where I got to see him wrestle. And he, he had a different style, as everyone knows. And um, we went to the world. Uh, all the, the winners were on the world team in Oakland, Illinois. And I can remember the second day of practice, there was an injury. And Keith Whitney, Walton got injured. And I was thinking, who are we going to send in, you know? Uh, I know there was a Jeff Gibbons that was around that weight that, you know, uh, somebody that would probably be ready to go right away. Mm-hmm. And um, so we didn't know who was going to be um, the guy. And all of a sudden, I get a knock on my door that about 9 o'clock on, on uh, like, the third day there. And it's this scrawny little... Um, guy with big lashes and curly black hair and big brown eyes and I I thought he was like a busboy or something. I was seeing if I ordered any food or whatnot and it was said, No, oh, this is my my name is John John Smith and I'm the replacement and that's when I told him I looked at him, I said, What place you get? And he said third. You know, back you know, all always the big stop sign is the is the is the pentacle when you're even in a U.S. Open, a big stop sign is just what they give you. Mm-hmm. I told him, uh, okay, well, uh, put your shit over there in the corner, and you're gonna take that bed, and do not screw around with the remote control. <laughs> so he kind of demurred and, and went over into his little hole. But uh, I could tell that we were going to get along famously. We both liked to eat big breakfasts and both were on the folks, phone to our folks and talked horses and talked talk farm life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we wrestled in the, in, the, in the world championships that year, both um, making it to the finals. And, and uh, we both actually got beat by the Russian. So mm-hmm. that was my first recollection of John Smith and first time I roomed with him so but uh, from that day forward we were extremely tight and you mentioned uh, in the past that after that tournament you were both kind of bummed you got second you grabbed some beers and you're at a bar and right as he left he said you're like hey that little style of yours that's not going to work in the bigs could you could you share that well I said I see what you're trying to do. You're wrestling two inches off the mat, catching ankles and stuff, but you got to get off your knees at this level. These guys are too strong. The hips are too strong. You miss the leg. You know, we're at another level now. You need to get get out of that bourgeois, whatever technique you're using, and, and come up and wrestle on your feet. Mm-hmm. And he just smiled, and he just he didn't respond, and he didn't listen. So probably a good thing, huh? <laughs> and if you fast forward six months to the duel in 84 at Stillwater, uh, Tommy Chesbro's last year, they were you had a really good team. John was a freshman, and I'm going to play you a clip here of him versus Trezino. I remember that snap down like it was yesterday. Tell me about it. <laughs> well, we thought we had the match in hand. I think we were... I mean, we might have been up by a point or it was just any man's match. 
maybe even to go into overtime. And I'll be damned if he didn't just come out and hit a little little kind of a misdirection with, and, and hit a beautiful one-arm snap where he just snapped him and just flared him out and he got that two points. And I think it was like right, right, you know, not that they really count the buzzer shots down there in Stillwater. <laughs> They'll make sure that riding time's right where they need it. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, well, you can't say that that won the match because we got beat 21 to 6. But I still, I'll, I'll never forget that snap and the poise he had as a young man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome, especially when you consider that, you know, that was Trezino's first time down. A lot of those guys had come down. It was a one-arm snap. I'm a snap guy, so mine is a little bit more um, industrial where you're setting it and I drag them across the mat and, and you got to pull them, try to hit them to break to a knee, but that was just so effortless. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. And there was no panic either. No. He had poise. Well, one of the craziest things from that meet is, is I drove down in the back of a, a topper of a truck with one of the guys on the team's brothers or something. Um, Raleigh Kane's brother or whatever had a truck. Rico and I, since we didn't have a room, we just came down for the match. Not, 10, 10, 11 hours away. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll never forget, uh, we slept in the truck that night. Um, after we lost, and uh, I got to listen to Gable's speech and, and Robinson's speech, and, and that was back in the time when Gable had given the team to, to Jay Robinson. And um, I'll never forget, like at 6 in the morning, I got a big banging on that plexiglass on the side of the topper. They got Rico and I up, and the whole team came out and were was hand-fighting. I don't know if Gable shared that. We were hand fighting. They have a beautiful hotel down there that they kind of host all the the big names. You know, Stillwater's not a very, it's it's a college, quintessential college town. And we hand fought, and it was a little bit rainy the night before. You know how they got that red clay? I was covered in red clay. It was like a red magic marker almost. We couldn't believe the texture and the, mm. and, um, Long story short, we tore up that whole uh, yard and hill, and they actually sent, I wonder if Gable confirmed this, they sent a bill to our AD to cover the replanting of the grass. Did Gable mention that or <laughs> no. no? Yeah, so we paid, Bump Elliott at the time, he just paid it, Yeah, and we moved forward. But when we came back, it was like the sky was falling. Oh, I bet. Because Gable was in Tbilisi with Leroy, and they caught a flight back together, and that was yeah, maybe maybe yeah. Well, I don't. Gable wasn't there, was he? He was there. He got there just in time for it. Okay. I don't even think he traveled with the team though. No, no. And what I remember is he took the team back when we got back. Right. And that was kind of like, okay, who's running the show? <laughs> yeah, I can I can imagine. And the next year, flip the script. It's at Carver. You guys roll them, and huge crowd. John wrestles Greg Randall. Do you remember that match? Yeah, I remember. 
I remember they were, um, I didn't get a wrestle on it. That, that I was, my, that year, I was a red shirt behind Marty Kistler. We tied in the wrestle off, and I lost three one point matches to him in the finals of the Northern Open, UNI Open, and the semifinals of the Midlands. And I was, on the year, I was 24 and 4. I lost three matches to him and then one match when they bumped me up to 67. So he was the only guy that could beat me um, in, in the country. So it was, yeah, flip the switch. Um, so my head was right on. I didn't know if I was going to wrestle in that meet. But I remember Greg Randall picking him up and, and placing him on his shoulder and pretty hard. And uh, I think the injury defaulted. Mm-hmm. So that was a six-point swim swing right away. And so. it's at that point, Leroy and Randy had already had their situation. So the blood between Iowa and Oklahoma State, how would you describe the rivalry at that time? At that time, it was the, it, at that time, it had to have been at its pinnacle. It had to be with with the the the, the tumult. Of of Randy Lewis, um, happened to procure a lawyer to go through with with the um, to arbitrate that that wrestling call. Which, by the way, just to be fair to everybody, um, I had a uh, two years ago going to the Big Tens in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Pittsburgh or Cleveland. I had a referee. <clears throat> come up to me and say, hey, I was the head referee on that. They brought me in, and that match should have never even went to an arbitration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Randy took a big black eye for that. Because what he did was unprecedented, but it should have never got there. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that was, you know, those guys that went round and round. Randy, I, I said whoever won that 80, 88 deal, between John and Randy. Randy actually beat him in the finals yeah. of the U.S. Open. That was, I, I said, whoever makes that team's Olympic gold medalist. For sure. I was talking to uh, Leroy's wife, Lisa, and she was a reporter for the team at the time and traveled down to Carver in 85. And she said, you know, it was Josie's first year. There's really a lot of bad blood with what happened to Chesbro. And so there wasn't a big following of Oklahoma State people that year. She said there was like maybe 500 people went to that duel in 85. And it was just the loneliest place in the world because you guys laid it on him that year. And then John was out, and it was just tough, she said. Yeah, that was a good vindication. Well, you don't come out of – I was on several big teams in my day, but I was on the first team that lost at Carver-Hawkeye. Hmm. And it was Penn State. Mm-hmm. It was a Penn State a week after we beat Penn State when Simpson pinned Volker hmm. when, when we – when we probably should have lost then. Yeah. So we, I got to see it, see it all, been involved in it all. But uh, yeah, those Smith boys have always been, you know, so goes the Smith, so go the, so goes the rivalry between Oklahoma State. For sure. And that's their war horse. And you talk about Randy and John. I know you weren't at the, the U.S. Open in Topeka where um, Randy Lewis beat John, but just talk about. Compare and contrast those two styles, Randy's versus John's. Well, there is no style like either one of them. They're both unprecedented. Randy Lewis, all he needs is is contact. 
<clears throat> and John Smith is is he's just so quick and so his finishes are so seamless. Uh, but it was a it was a a contrast of one guy looking to upper body pull you up and whatnot, and, and another guy that would sniper shot you from out. So just a beautiful uh, just to watch their you know to watch their their uh, banter wrestling wise back and forth. It was unbelievable. But uh, you just knew that those two were one of a kind. And Randy's cut to even make it. It was from like 163. So he had been out. He hurt his knee. He comes back and doesn't even know if he can make the weight. And, you know, obviously he did. But what an awesome four matches that was. Oh, those those were those were times you just look back just like when you get a chance to watch an Ali fight or watch a, you know, Holmes and Thriller in Manila or whatever, those go right there. Right right with the right with the um God who who I can think of Stonehands, Duran and back in those Leonard. days and Leonard and and Pryor and in in Leonard. Those go for wrestlers, yeah. That, that goes back to that. Hearns Hagler's one of my favorite fights. Yeah. Kinda of like when Bannock and Mark Schultz went at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got two, three timers going at it there. Uh, just an unbelievable uh, part of our story of our sport. Absolutely. When you fast forward to 90, you made the world team in 90. It was in Tokyo, I believe. One story I've heard you tell, only once, but it was amazing, was that, and we're going to talk about the tournament, but after the tournament, when you guys are getting piss tested, they brought in beer for you to drink. Oh, yeah. What happened? Well... They brought in beer because a lot of people, you know, it helps you, it expedites, uh, you know, you want to take a leak. And I remember I was so, everything is shut down. I was just so tired. I blew a 2-0 lead with 40-some seconds left to go, and they kept me down the whole, I felt if I got got to my feet. So a lot of people going through stuff like that in their heads, you know, world titles. Mm -hmm. Even when you're excited, it it, it impedes your, your ability. And I remember the Cubans, they didn't want, they wanted to keep drinking beer. So they were going in and pissing in the toilet. And so then they got into it with the the Japanese. Then the Russians jumped in because back then the Russians had a little bit of solidarity with the Cubans because, you know, of the whole, you know, Mm -hmm. politics, the way they landed. But, um, I remember them. They marched in about fifteen of those little Japanese guys with the socks up to their knees and in long black uh, clubs. I mean, we thought it was going to go down. You know, I was like, "Holy smokes! I'm in the middle of a World War Three right here," <laughs> and all because the Cubans wanted to keep drinking beer. And I'm not so sure the Russians didn't like drinking beer either. Yeah. But you get some free cervezas to some Cubans, and they're going to be there a while. Well, like you said, half the guys in that room either had their hearts broken, the other half are, you know, in a, a state of ecstasy. So it's a lot of mixed emotions when you layer uh, in alcohol. Uh, uh, yeah. Those piss tests, man, those are those are always something. Like even at nationals, you know, got, when you win your national title, you got to go. You can't go sit down by your face. You got to go 
pee in a cup and you got to be watched. Hmm. You know, so I'm kind of glad they do it more so for the fairness for all of us. Because as you've seen now, you've seen a lot of a lot of Russians get their medals stripped from them. Yep. So an important thing needed to happen. And, but yeah, that, that addresses that uh, the piss test in, in Tokyo. That'll go in my book someday. I love it. Right. Talk about, at that point, John, that was his fourth. What kind of just level of excellence was he on at that point in his career? Well, I had never seen him lose up to that point, other than collegiate, maybe against a, that Sanchez or something like that from Nebraska or something. But he was like, I mean, he was the one that well, you look to. I'm the same age. I'm thinking this guy's living my my dream. You know, I'll win the Olympics and win the the worlds. You know, but yeah, now you look back in retrospect. There's so many tough guys. Just to even make a world team. Yeah, you get guys, you know, I, I, I would venture to say how many world or Olympic teams did Guerrero make? Three. Three world teams and Olympic team, never medaled. I'm sure that bothers him. You know, you, the pinnacle when you get to a certain level is you don't care about that world team as much. You, you don't care about making that team. You've got to get yourself a medal and, and, and it better be. It better be gold. Mm-hmm. That's just the that's just the way it is, and that's the that's the precedent we set. You know, even with even with um, you know, look at Terry Brands. He gets that bronze medal. He don't want nothing to do with that thing. No. I don't even think he's seen it. I don't even know. Think he knows where it's at. Gave it to a booster in Chattanooga, Tennessee, at one point. I hope he has it back. That shows you how high <laughs> that bar is set. That's the thing I've noticed about interviewing super high-level athletes like yourself. Unless you're one of the few that went six in a row, a lot of them have some demons battling about what happened and so on and so forth. Well, they all do, even the ones that win. I'll tell you a story. I've done a lot of deals where John Smith and I have a pen and, you know, we sign stuff at camps or or we're co- he'll come in and coach a team, and do, like for the Pan Ams or – so he's always got a black marker in his hand. And I watched him. He was signing all these, all the, you know, John Smith or whatever, and there would always be an asterisk. I said, what the hell is that asterisk there for? And he said, well, back in 92, all he had to do was not get pinned, and he wins the Olympic gold. He beat everybody in his pool. So I couldn't really get into positions that I normally would win that position. So I found myself in a really weird spot. Well, he lost to the Cuban. Mm-hmm. He was, but I'm putting down there, not for them, but for me, to let them know that I know that I lost. Why do you think he did that? Because he's a, he, that's the way you are when you're at that level. When you're at that level, that's, that's you hold your, your accountability. For the same reason why, when you got a when you get a champion that's that's training, and and there ain't nobody around, you you you're at the top of the stairs, and it's up to you to get that those two extra. Mm-hmm. You know you got to bank them. You know you got to put them in, but it's on you. So the accountability is extremely high once you start winning at a certain level. Extremely high. And that's why when people who aren't Big time wrestlers listen to this documentary. 
they might hear six world titles. All right, what does that mean? You know, you put your whole life into it. Give some just kind of context of how incredible it is to win one world title, let alone four in a row. Well, just to be the best in the I mean, just to be the best in this country. When you come from a wrestling country, same thing for with Iran. Mm-hmm. You win a you're a Iran world member, that is huge news. Like those young kids on the cusp that just got got are the one guy that got got uh or they kill him, right? Yeah. The Iranian. Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal because he was a wrestler. Mm-hmm. You are a Hollywood, you're an NFL, you're an NBA all-star. Back here in our country, it's a huge deal esoterically. Like a lot of people, that's a big deal. A small amount of people, it's a huge deal. But vastly through the whole country, it's like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But because they've got other sports they're looking at, you mm-hmm. know, and pro sports and race car drivers and, and golfers and this and that. But uh, it's it's a it's a huge deal to uh, to make a world team and to for John Smith to, to to do what he did. I mean, they the reverence they give him. It's always very poignant to see what kind of respect we give him. A lot of respect back here. He's our guy. But to see what the rest of the the country, the world reveres him, you know, really? oh, unbelievable respect. When he beat Belaglazov, took him apart that day, and then just beating everybody, mm-hmm. and and not even in close matches. It's not like they're having close matches with this guy. Right. They're, they're getting their butts beat. That's the thing that's incredible is that I was interviewing someone from Iran actually, and they said. In the 90s, John Smith was not as big as Michael Jordan, but in the wrestling world there and knowing that wrestling is a national sport and that they closed circuit it to 90 million people, that John Smith was massive in Iran during his prime. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, let me to give you perspective. Two, three years ago, I'm in a dual meet. Um, we took Titan Mercury mm-hmm. over, you know, Andy Barth, Andy Barth's team. Um, we, we decided to get our best wrestlers and we would grab Taylor and, you know, Dake and so we whiz. And so we've got some of our best name guys there and we're ready to go battle. And I'm standing out in front of a big, big, huge, uh, arena. And we're going to wrestle live in about three hours. And they're asking me about asked me if I'm nervous. And I said, well, not really. I'm not that nervous. And and uh, said, well, you're going to have pretty much 90% of the entire country watching this on government TV, closed circuit. circuit. Wow. You want to guess how big, I'm going to put you on the spot, the population of Iran? Do you have any idea? 92 million? It's about 68, 69. So you're looking at 50 million people watching our, when we were done with that dual meet, I went, we, I, we took the team out. We actually had armed guards with us and took the team out and people were like cheering and coming over and we were signing things. I mean, everyone watched that from the cab drivers were looking up the airport people two days later. It's unbelievable. I mean, we were movie stars. Wow. And you figure... The guys you mentioned, you know, 
all of them are incredible wrestlers, but when you think of you factor on the John Smith factor, that's just amplified. That's how popular he was. Oh, they give so much respect. I got I'm a silver in the world, and I'm not even that proud of that. But you know, I am to the fact that I trained real hard, and that's got to give respect to the people I beat out. You know, Melvin Douglas, Kevin Jackson, Rico Chipperelli, but um. To re and they knew who I I was. And, you know, I was signing autographs like crazy over there, way more than over here. Wow. Right. So so basically I I was unbelievable the the amount of respect that they have for that that sport. Now I want to go back to ninety. Um there is some there's quite a bit of video footage of it, but you know, anyone who's our age wants to know what was it like the two minutes before or after the match when the camera stops? I mean, just what was the atmosphere of that arena in Tokyo in 90 at the World Championships? Well, you know, it's crazy because now the UFC has come and just made it crazy. And, and um, not that much dissimilar than what it is in like a national. I mean, a national title, to be honest with you, uh, Division One national title is the best energy and well-run tournament than these guys, even more than the Olympics. Really? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I was an alternate on two Olympic teams because the NCAAs is something you've done your whole life. You got all your people there. A lot of your world championships, you can't even afford. A lot of guys can't. Guy you coached you all your life, you know, it's in Budapest. Hell, he's an educator. I can't go to that, you know. The pageantry of an NCAA Division One wrestling title is as good as it gets in the world. And, and the Olympics, you know, you win Olympic gold medal and you've got the lights flying and Ron Seacrest or whatever, Seacrest yeah. or whatever. That's a huge deal. I mean, they, who would, wouldn't want to replicate that? But I would assume it's right there, the, 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 uh, the, the Olympics – then real close behind that is a national title mm -hmm. and then so forth down. But, you know, you look at the big tens, you go to the big tens this year. Did you do, were you out the big tens? I was tens? at Rutgers. Yeah, it was Okay. Awesome. Can you imagine much better of a venue than that anywhere in the world? That was awesome. No, yeah. no, we, we run it the best and we have the only style. We have the only folk style. Yeah. Unbelievable. I like it more personally. Yeah. A lot of people do. Yeah. Were you at, well, I know you were there, and it's always interesting when a wrestler is competing at the same tournament. Sometimes they don't remember much of any of it. Do you remember John's loss to Fisher? What the the trials at, in Pittsburgh in '92? Hell yeah! Talk to me about just like your experience and your memories of it. I remember going up to him and going, "What the hell, John? We got to get blah blah blah." And he goes, "Elger, you got to worry about yourself, man. I appreciate it, but man, we we we'll, I'll get her done." I remember having that conversation with him because I was blown away too. And Alinsky was having a tight match with, with um, Kenny Monday. I think they might have went rubber match maybe. Okay. I mean, there were some, there were some tough goes. And there is nothing, nothing remotely close than being a wrestler in the Olympic trials. Either you make that team and you're getting fitted for, with Frazzacci clothing or you're walking – to a stake and shake in the rain. They did a deal. They followed both um, uh, Kale Sanderson and um, 
Full heart. Full heart after their matches were concluded in in uh, 2004. Mm-hmm. And Sanderson got picked up in a SUV and driven to get his wash up and then went to to uh the number one uh Ruth Chris Ruth Chris um steakhouse and got a call from the governor and this and that and then Lee Fullhart walked alone to the steak and shake in his own warm in his warm ups in Aiden silence. Wow. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go into the pageantry, the, the just just being able to call yourself an Olympian. Right. You know, there's some guys that make Olympic team just get destroyed. Well, yeah, he's an Olympian, you know, whatever. You know, it's just a you know, that 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 moniker is very ubiquitous people know what that is they right. don't even know what a world championships when i tell people i'm a world silver medalist they're the, the next word well what about the olympics what about this what about that i'm like and so last thing on john before we shift over to pat when you think about john and pat's relationship how would you describe that well it's it's still a, a mentor it's not, it's still a not just a big brother thing but it's still a coaching thing and same with Leroy and in, 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 uh, same with Leroy and John. How do you mean there? Uh, still, John, John, Leroy is not afraid to interject and say this is what needs to happen and this, this is what's going on. And, and they'll talk about uh, Oklahoma State. They'll talk about, um, you know, Leroy Smith is not afraid to, Leroy S- Smith. Does he deserves to go in the Hall of Fame on basically mentoring John Smith in in, in itself? Wow, man! He tells me all the time. One time, we I jack around with both of them, but I remember the time when John Smith got to the point where he started, um, you know, getting the better of Leroy. And I remember the story one time they were wrestling at their high school. It was like Christmas break, and Leroy kept on pulling him up and said, come up here and wrestle like a man. Quit wrestling like, uh, here's John, a couple-time world champ, and get up here and wrestle like a man. What are you doing down there? So I, I John, Leroy was mean, too. Leroy had a mean streak. And, and uh, so, did, so does Pat. So does Pat Smith, too. Really? Yep. How do you, it, what comes to mind to make you say that? Oh, you don't win four national titles and you don't have a mean streak to go cl- close the door. Anybody that wins uh, a lot on a on a big level, you've got to have a definitive streak to you that that it come over the top. Not being cheap, mm-hmm. but you've got to have a you got to be ornery. And when Pat pulled out a red shirt, did you know him at that point yet? I guess when does your and Pat relationship start, just on a timeline basis? You think? Oh, I would say in college, his last couple of years, just getting to, they knew when when we would go to events in Oklahoma, anytime Oklahoma State came here or I went down there, I'd wear a big old hat. And, Why? 
just just kind of a little bit of irony you know here I'm, i've got my hat on too i always Ooh. thought it was i thought it was because you hated the smiths in oklahoma state because i'd go as a kid and watch and i'm like oh he really likes to drive it in but you no, said it was for solidarity oh no, they love me i love those guys the smiths oh what about the parents oh you kidding me big old leroy i didn't know the mom that much but leroy senior yeah real well I'm going to pull up the other big key college match for Pat is Pat versus Tom Ryan. Um, that's, a, that's a nightmare. Right? What a, I mean, 91. So this is the last, and maybe you remember it, but I was at this play. Here's the last 30 seconds of that one. So for the folks who are listening to this, what did you just watch in that last 30 seconds there? Well, I watched the big, well, unless you've been to a national finals, you just, you don't understand what it's like to be in there. He's going to win his first national title. He had the match won. And you got to put those, you don't just put, you don't just put nails through the coffin. You put railroad spikes through them. I mean, I'm I'm sure I, w- I was probably screaming underhook and get a hold of him and a hold on to him. Or wrestle him outside the box. It's like trying to sit there and trade doubles with Jordan Burroughs. You don't wrestle those guys that way. <laughs> right. You get them, you bring them up, bring them up to your level, and you hold on to them, and you pray. Because mm-hmm. no one really even – here's the one thing that people don't even realize. They do not care what the score was. They care, did you win that title? Did you get your hand raised and get an NCAA title and stand up there? They don't care. My 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 senior year, I got like three stalling calls in the last period because I was holding him down because I didn't did there was an outside do I think he would have t- got up and taken me out? Probably not. But am I gonna am I gonna barter the rest of my life? the rest of my life with with that decision to let him up, I might as well just keep him down. I gave away two points for for stalling. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I beat him by a couple points or whatever. But um, Is it life and death like that for John and Pat? Yeah, oh, it's life and death, of course, at that level. At the, those kind of guys that are used to winning. That's why it was such a big part when, when he... When he was gonna, I mean, John, Pat Smith was good enough to be right there in the running. He took second in Krasny Arsk, uh the year before the Olympics. I mean, he was right there to to be, you know, in the world win the Olympic title. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Sadzalayev, who was or not Sadzalayev, but uh, Satiev, right, was there. And I remember when Kenny pulled him first round. Uh, first or second round, mm-hmm. and it was like uh, we had terrible draws. And then Jabrilov was, I think, it was our first round for Gutches. Gotcha. I don't know that name. I mean, I know Gutches, but I don't know that. Jabrilov and his brother are one of the very few two that both won like world titles from Russia. I mean, we've got a lot of them, but they're both right. You see a lot of brothers and stuff like the brands and the. Cheers and, and the, yeah, Bella Glossom, but um, 
I can remember I had some words with Leroy. I said, Leroy, because I had wrestled Kenny quite a bit in practice and stuff. I said, Kenny's got an unbelievable no, and he doesn't have to be secured from any position, a lateral drop and a, a, and a um, outside carry, you know, or fireman's. And it's like, you can't get into those positions. You know, you just can't be. You you got to be busy at all times because he'll just take a, and I believe I think I I, I was afar because I was I was injured actually I got hurt in the semis, but I remember him getting hit. Did he get in ninety six? In ninety six, got hit with a hell of a lateral drop, right? Yeah, and it's Pat was second to Kenny in ninety six, I believe, right or right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that must have been an interesting train dynamic. You know, all in the same gym, and maybe Kenny wasn't there anymore. But uh, I think Kenny might have been around. That's when Pat Smith came to me. Tell me about that. Well, Pat Smith, um, I'd actually reached out to him. I said after we went to to uh, we started, you know, drilling before like the Sunkist Open and certain things. I said, man, you need to come, you come train with me. You know, I'm kind of on staff at Iowa, and mm-hmm. a little bit older than him. I got live by myself so he came out and uh i remember he walked in the room that first day and everybody's just like real quiet like wow that was just love. the enemy at the gate is inside but after a while they just realized he was just i mean if you you do you know pat smith at all yes i'm just one of the just a good old boy. All of the Smiths are. Their younger brother's just a great guy, too. Not to see, you know, I'm not being too cliche saying, oh, they're all great guys. Well, there's great people everywhere, but very nonchalant, just kind of. And he'd come out, I had him come out and do camps for me out in, in Colorado. And, mm-hmm. and we just became, I'll, I'll never forget when he. So we came to our first practice. It was all quiet. I took him out to eat afterwards. We went down to the to the Nickelodeon and had a couple of beers. And I came back to my place, and I had a beautiful wraparound couch similar to that one in there, about 15 foot long. And double wide because I always have people with me just like that couch. So people can actually sleep on my couch. You roll over, you're, you're fine. Right. So... It's a beautiful place to sleep. And pillows, everything. So I'm getting up. I go, well, you know, we got 615 workout. And I'm getting my clothes off and and uh, taking my socks off. And I said, so, you know, I'll, I'll just, we'll make sure that I, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll push this button here for coffee. So we'll have something going. Do you drink coffee? So he's talking to me. Hold on, take your clothes. I walked into my room and I didn't have a queen. I had a twin. He crawled right in bed with me. Stop it. <laughs> we slept 20 days together. Told stories, everything. I love, I love Pat Smith. And you can too for $25. <laughs> what are your fondest memories of that time together? Just hanging well, we out. We went to Cross the Arsk. I took third and he, he took second. Uh that's a tough tournament too. It's the one tournament I didn't win. I, mean, I took second at Krasnyarsk and took third at Tbilisi. Hmm. 
uh, took third twice across. Well, I took second across the Arsenal, third twice across the Arsenal, and then third at Tbilisi. But gotcha. Just, just some tough, tough sledding. Oh yeah. Now was that after he won his fourth or during his redshirt after, year? After, after, after. Gotcha. Ninety four, ninety five. Okay. Where do you put the first to win four? Is that similar to like? The guy that ran the first four-minute mile. I mean, what does that mean for wrestling when someone wins four D1 titles for the first time? Well, certainly you got to give him a lot of credit. I I love that Dake, you know, I love that Dake moved up every year. You get some of them guys to stay. Like all my, I mean, I I, I won the Big Tens at three different weights and, and All-American at three different weights. Mm-hmm. That takes a little bit more moxie, just because you got bigger and stronger guys, and you're moving up, mm-hmm. and you're you're taking people out. So I gotta always put I, I put Dake up up there highly. Now that he's won two world titles, it gives me a lot more respect for Burroughs to being able to you know what Dake is one and eight against Burroughs. <laughs> so. And DT's kind of, like one and nine against Dake. You know, it's like crazy. It is crazy. Like, like I said, I had those numbers. I was, I was seven and two against Kevin Jackson. That's a mind-boggling stat. I mean, so you know, and it wasn't just because it was folk style or whatever. Because of freestyle, I was. I mean, I was. I beat him to make my first world team. I beat him and got my world. I was. I don't go downward. My favorite one is when you were at a week off surgery at Carver in 88. or Yeah, it was 88 or 87. Pro- Might have been 88. 87. Okay. Week off of surgery. They put the tap on you. Royce, we need you, big guy. Well, shit, Gable. Well, I wasn't even going to get surgery, so I was going to be game as usual. And Gable brought in Pete Bush, who was a national champ at 190. And I heard him talking to him. Pete Bush does like locks, you know, little leg, ankle lace, lace leg throws and mm-hmm. goofy stuff. Like, oh, God, I'm going to be in some really weird situations. 20 seconds in my leg locks. They carried me out of that room. I didn't even go to shower. They cut my clothes off me at, at the hospital, and I had it that night. Man. And then I wrestled. It might have been six days later. That's like Jordan's flu game. That's what it reminds me of. Whenever I hear that story in my head, I'm like, oh, that's Royce's flu game. He even 10 times worse than a flu, though. I mean, a knee. <laughs> well, it is what it is. I didn't really think too much of it. I'm just glad I won. For sure. Because that was a year I was undefeated that year. So that was, okay, gotcha. 35 and all that year. Yeah. I love that you're OW both years too. Um, both years that you won. I'm gonna just go off. There's not much left. No, I didn't win the OW in the country. You weren't? OW in the Big Tens. Uh last two years. I was outstanding wrestler in the Big Tens tournament and Big Ten. Um no, I never got to be the OW of the of the national tournament. Damn. Whoever... Pat Smith Pat, uh uh they gave it to John Smith when we were both juniors, mm-hmm. and uh, you know those are all subjective. You know who knows what, but right. my senior year they gave it to Turner, hmm. 
Uh-oh. Turner for beating Krieger, you know, and Krieger, you know, Krieger's tough, but, you know, he beat him because he didn't let him score a point, but. Gotcha. But, I mean, I was up a weight beating a monstrosity of a, of a Dan Mayo. Dan Mayo was tough. Dan Mayo, in, in, in uh, 92, Dan Mayo beat Chris Campbell at the U.S. Open. He That's... was the only American to beat him in two or three years. Campbell's a mystery to me. That guy is like, he's... He's your next... The, the guy that does a movie on him wins. I don't know why you guys haven't had anything like that on him yet. I'd love to. I'm just getting started. I'm a one-man band. But, um, no, I'd love to. He's amazing. Um, you know, he beat Mark Johnson. That's, Mark Johnson's one of my favorites. Yeah. In the same Mark area. Johnson's my boy. He's awesome. Tuna. Um, so, outside of the event, we've covered a lot of events. No one knows John in terms of like inside his mind, right? Better than someone like you. How would you describe, you know, John's the competitiveness or John's focus? Um, John's as a as a almost an avant garde. He came in a different a vanguard of a whole different level of wrestling. That's as simple as I can say. He he trained hard. He was a he was a perfectionist. He was ornery. People don't realize how tough and mean he was. People don't realize how good he was on bottom position. I mean, he was impossible to, to turn. His flexibility, his scrambling ability, they all they all want to go for that high crotch and nice shots. He was the total package. That's the only way you can win that many years in a row. Mm. He's our best. Until somebody proves me wrong, he's our best American wrestler. And you know what? Randy Lewis is right up there too. I mean, Randy Lewis, two two Olympic teams, and I mean John Smith redshirted in college. Randy Lewis didn't. When in '82, Lewis was in the finals of the World Championships. He beat the Bulgarian, and then they overturned it. Sterev, yeah, yeah, freaking. Otherwise, I'm sure, I'm, yeah. Then then he's in the World Finals. Thing. It's like, how do you take away a silver medal minimum? They do it all the time. Right, all the freaking time. They do it all the time. Um. But you know what? You you, you keep going and, and, you know, just now I've got a, a knee replaced. You know, you're just happy that you didn't have those injuries back in the day, you know? Right. Because God, who who says why God puts his hand out and allows somebody to be healthy. Right. When knowing that, you know, injuries can plague a career, John was able to move through that. His evolution on the top game, too, is... Maybe the most impressive to me, he was so nasty on top. Who? John. And what he <sighs> would hurt. His ankle is. Check. I'm going to show you this clip. Um, it's the last clip. But it's when John, in 1990, John lost to the Cuban at the Cerro Palato. And then at the Grands, later that year, 12 months later, he wrestled him in the finals of the Grands. And John was out for revenge. And you can see just the absolute pain he puts on this guy on top <laughs> just and i mean it's just cool because you don't you know now you see guys who are right on their feet you don't see him putting the time in but you know he was obviously the total package um oh yeah got, i mean they sent everybody after him john smith unbelievable it starts with leroy right. starts with leroy some of the greatest wrestling I've ever seen, and I got to see a lot. I got to see a lot of 
you know, I got to bridge the gap between Campbell and, you know, he came back and trained for with me for three and a half years. And I got to see Barry Davis, Randy Lewis, Dan Gable, you know, and then all the way, Bob Gardner, all the way up through, you know, to Sanderson, to even to Dake, you know, I'm taking guys all over. But, um, uh, it, you said Leroy's the best wrestling you've seen? No, no, but Leroy, he, start, he started that. Well, he built a Picasso. With, but the best, the best wrestling I've ever seen, and it was like, I'd always remember like that 90 team when we were on the world, in the world championships. We, no matter where we were, sometimes we'd be in a, back here or, you know, you got to spend the whole year with them. Always Leroy, uh, uh, John would be drilling with um, Nate Carr. And Nate Carr would, you know, Nate Carr's real quick too, and he'd give him a little hip, and John Smith would take his headgear and go, that's effing it, throw it down, we're going. So they would just go hard for, just go at it for about two or three minutes. And, you know, everybody thinking some John's some little church marm. He ain't. That was some unbelievable stuff. He'll get yeah. nasty if he has to? Well, just mean and tough yeah. and he got it from Leroy's mean and tough Pat's oh, yeah. got a side there. you don't win you don't win at, at this level and be this consistent unless you're like a little spoiled brat with your kickball and you say listen I'm I'm, I'm we're done playing unless I get well, unless I do take I'm going to take my kickball and go home unless I get my rule that's the way I feel when I wrestle I'm going to have my collars. I'm going to have my controls. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Or, or I'm just going to stay there until you, I get you tired enough where I can take care of, take control of it. And that's another thing, too, is your, your approach would have been, hey, this technique's not working. Let's put 10 more pounds on the hammer curls, whereas John might have gone to the film room. Um, and you've been a big proponent of power. How was John able to win without the power? John Smith's unbelievably powerful. You don't win like that without being that powerful. He is, yes, he's just like, go look at Satyev. Same kind of power. Same kind of power. Power different ways, different doing doing things. Some of the best wrestlers I've ever met in my life, strong at their weight, stuff don't, didn't cut any weight. Schultz, Gable, Tom Brands, John Smith. You know, then you got Lewis, you know, as a freak, he just, Randy Lewis, you can't even you can't even bring him in to do show technique as much as because he's looking into halves and locking over. I mean, everything that he's doing is just so different. Mm -hmm. Did you watch the match with John Smith? Oh, John yeah. Smith ain't been double overed and thrown on his back. <laughs> I got the clip right here. I showed it to Gable. Gable's like, "Why would John go up there?" I'm like, and then John did, talks about how stubborn he was. Did you watch the match uh, from YouTube about Randy Smith, Randy Lewis wrestling? Uh, the defending world champ from Russia. In 81? Uh, 1990-something. The guy that, that, that won the Worlds for Russia that was there when 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 uh, uh, Fidzayev moved up to Wrestle Monday. That, that was at 45, right? 49. Whatever it is. 49. Yeah. Well, what's his name? Little, he's from Yakutsk. If you've never seen the match, we should probably watch it because I'm going to tell you something. He was beating him 11-3 to three and pinned him, and he was defending world champ. 
And that's well into Randy's career. That's the late years of Randy's career. Well, he I mean, was tell, we were telling the other day in 1992, he had to wrestle. He'd beat everybody in his pool. All he had to do was not get pinned by Nate Carr. And he, he probably makes that 92 team. He gets decked. He got caught in a, in a, a little throw. How, why can't I think of that? Who's that world champ from yeah. Russia? From um, uh, he won it in the from like Yakutsk, way out there in the middle of nowhere. I know because I went with him up to that dual meet. It was up in Wisconsin. The name is on the top of my tip of my tongue, and I cannot. Oh my God! What? If you grab me my phone, maybe I can find it. Yeah. I'll... Hey, Luba, who were you wrestling, um, the one where you were beating Love to Three and pinned him? What's that? Who was the Russian world champ? Oh, I, that was uh, Boris Badaev. He was a 1989 world champ. Boris Badaev. All right, I'll call, I'll call you I back. Ahead, I was ahead 13 to 4 when I pinned him. Nice. I'll call you back later. I guess he was up 14 to 4. Boris Bedayev. As soon as he said it, I'm like, I've heard that name so many you times. You need to go home and watch that. I will. I um, I enjoyed watching the Americans, John and Randy, beat up on um, Sarkissian, too. Randy beat him at the Sunkiss yeah. thing down there. I know Sarkissian. I've been drunk with Sarkissian three or four times. I've been to Russia like 13 times. Wow. You ever been to Dagestan? Or Ossetia? Oh, yeah. 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 Ossetia, Dagestan. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Beautiful. I'd I love mean, to I'm, go. I'm, grind, I'm, I'm kind of like one of our worldly kind of... Ambassadors? Yeah. And I'm still doing it. I know. I love it. I love that you're involved with Titan Mercury. The only thing I would say other than what we talked about is just when you think about the Smith family, you know, what, what emotions come to mind? What? Well, it comes from the old man... Their mom was a, like a, a lot of the athleticism that people don't know. She was like a Division One, like really good athlete. Mm-hmm. So very fast, very quick. You know, knowing the way I, being coached by Leroy, he was my coach. And when I made my first world team, he'd send me very elaborate VHS tapes about certain positions and just very astute. Mm. So I got that's got to run down the hill. It's got to be. You know, you know, it's good. All, all, all of them are are basically a product of parenting and, and good wrestling. Mm-hmm. Love it, man. No, that's it. Any, uh, no last words. I mean, we covered shit. We're almost at an hour in, and no, we're, no, I, we're good. I, I appreciate it, man. Thank yeah, you. Thanks you for bet. doing it, especially after the surgery. Thanks for listening to this episode with Royce Alger. If you want to support this podcast, please go to our online store, store.wrestlingchangemylife.com to check out all of our merch. Follow us on Instagram at Wrestling Change My Life and YouTube Wrestling Change My Life. We'll see you next week with new episodes. Peace!